Hello, I'm Randy Brewer from Brewer Angus Farm in Nacogdoches, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, this is turning out to be a great year for the Texas corn crop. Farmers in Central and South Texas say it's one of the best corn crops they've ever seen. And the latest USDA crop ratings show over three-fourths of the crop rated good to excellent. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Converting their facilities to meet California's Proposition 12 requirements is something many Texas Panhandle pork farms have already done or are on their way to doing so. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Exotics, non-game species, and fence considerations. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on these topics as they relate to personal hunting ranches just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Often there are non-traditional products that claim to improve forage production at a lower cost than traditional fertilizers. We will discuss a few things we should keep in mind when evaluating these products. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas corn crop could be an excellent one this year if current crop conditions hold. The latest crop rating shows 77% of the Texas corn crop rated good to excellent, with 20% fair and only 3% in the poor to very poor categories. Jim Shugarek farms in the coastal bend of Texas near Beeville. He says this has been a good year for growing corn there. It is. It's pretty good corn year for this part of the world. For an area that's normally rainfall deficit, we've had some good rains to get the corn crop going. Uh, we're actually starting sprinklers today trying to finish it off. But that's a that's a good feeling to finish a crop with groundwater and not have to grow it the whole season like we did last year. Last year was miserable. So this is much better. We're thankful for the rain, for sure. And harvest is just around the corner. About two weeks on some grain sorghum and then corn. I think you'll see some coming off by July 4th. So we're, we're getting close. Shugarek says his cotton crop has faced some challenges this year with all of the rain they've had, and he did lose his wheat crop due to that rain. Well, speaking of the rain, weather forecasters have been calling for the return of the El Nino weather pattern, which will bring more rain to Texas. And so far, it seems to be delivering that rain. But USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says it may take a while to completely break the Texas drought. The good news, at least ultimately, will be that El Nino 
is returning for the first time since 2018-19, and El Nino typically portends a much wetter climate regime for the Southern Great Plains. The huge question is how quickly will that relief come to West Texas? So my fear is that we will see some recovery in West Texas in 2023, but it won't be a complete recovery. We still could see elevated abandonment. Rippy says we've seen very good rainfall this year from the Texas Gulf Coast all the way through the southeast U.S., bringing with it a lot of optimism about this year's crops. Pecan growers from Texas and around the world will gather July 30th through August 2nd at the Texas Pecan Growers Association's annual conference and trade show. It will be held at the Embassy Suites in Denton, Texas. Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson will give welcoming remarks to kick off the educational program. During the conference, attendees can visit the 2023 Texas Pecan Show, which awards the state's best pecans for the most recent crop year. For more information on the conference, visit tpga.org. Many Texas Panhandle hog farms are starting to convert their facilities to meet California's Proposition 12 requirements. James Hunt has that story from Amarillo. No specific numbers on exactly how many there are in total, but a local pork industry leader says a significant portion of the pork farms in the Texas Panhandle have already made adjustments at their facilities to meet the mandates of California's Proposition 12. Peter Baumert of Dalhart, the president-elect of the Texas Pork Producers Association, says many other pork farms in our area are in the process of becoming compliant. We cannot ignore the California market, as some have suggested. It's a third of our domestic consumption of pork. We can't ignore that. So we can't stick our head in the sand and say, ah, to heck with them. Some area pork farms had already made the necessary adjustments prior to the recent Supreme Court ruling, while others began converting their sow confinement pens after the high court's vote. Baumert says there are also some area farms that have yet to decide whether to convert to the California standards, which is a costly move to make no matter which way they go about it. Either you build to come up with more square feet or you reduce your herd in order to come up with more square feet. Looking forward, Baumert says he fully expects a push to be made to enact similar laws in other states. The activists that author these propositions, they want to shut down animal agriculture. Make no mistake about that. We have many legislative fights ahead of us. This is not over. It's going to be difficult times. Once again, that was Peter Baumert of the Texas Pork Producers Association. Now, one quick note here about our weather. It will be a while longer before a full assessment can be made, but Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell tells me recent hailstorms have likely caused substantial crop losses in some parts of the panhandle. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are a lot of things to consider when buying Texas land for hunting. Tom Nicoletti has more. Tyler Jacobs, partner broker with Hall & Hall LLP, is my guest again today. He explains the importance of potential buyers knowing something about exotics and non-game species in the region where they are interested in hunting ranch property. We could be talking about elk in one end of the state, and we could be talking about feral hogs in nearly all the state, or we could be talking about dad, or we could be talking about oryx. There's lots of different exotics and non-game species 
that are roaming around nearly all of the state. And so understanding that property, what that property offers in non-game and exotic species really will help you understand what the sporting potential of that property is. And generally speaking, we are talking about low-fenced, not high-fenced properties as far as that availability. Now, when it does come to fence considerations, there's the high fence and the low fence. Potential buyers need to know uh, what is on that property and uh, the difference between the two. Most families are going to be more comfortable with a low fence operation because of the management obligations within a high fence. And so with good management, a low fence operation can produce the goals that a family is looking for, the quality of game, the quantity of game knowing the realities of what your neighbors have done on a, on a given ranch versus whether or not you're in MLD areas where you have a lot of cooperating landowners. All those things really matter when it comes to fence considerations. That is Tyler Jacobs, partner broker with Hall & Hall LLP in College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are some non-traditional products on the market that claim to improve forage production at a lower cost than traditional fertilizers. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says there are several things to keep in mind when considering these products. Soil additives are different from traditional fertilizers and soil amendments in that they usually have little or no nutrient content. There is no requirement for these non-traditional products to have a guaranteed analysis label. Many of these products state on the label that they are not a substitute for a fertilizer program, but enhance the effectiveness of fertilizer normally applied. They are claimed to improve soil physical, chemical, and biological properties to improve nutrient and or water availability in the soil and increase crop nutrient uptake. Most traditional soil amendments and commercial fertilizers have been tested extensively through research trials to document both their benefits and limitations. The benefits from many of these non-traditional products have not been proven scientifically by independent research. Many marketers of these products will rely on testimonials with limited or no actual data toward performance. Another common theme is low cost and low application rates. Therefore, be very cautious before deciding to use these products. The best advice that can be given to growers is to evaluate new products carefully and insist upon local or regional research data. Since there are so many products on the market, it is difficult for extension personnel and university researchers to test all of these products. Nevertheless, extension agents and specialists may still be able to give you some information based on their experiences with similar products. Anytime we are making decisions about products or nutrients to add for forage production, we should always start with a soil test. Soil tests can be used to estimate the kinds and amounts of soil nutrients already available to plants. They also can be used as aids in determining fertilizer needs. Properly conducted soil sampling and testing can be cost-effective indicators of the types and amounts of fertilizer needed to improve forage yield. Levels of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium applied should be based on soil test recommendations as well as match farm goals. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. How many Audad is too many? I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And equine rehabilitation is becoming more common. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Equine rehabilitation is becoming more common. Dr. Bob Judd says horses can get the same benefits from rehabbing injuries that humans get. It is common for humans with orthopedic injuries to use physical therapy to decrease healing time. These techniques have been adapted to be used in horses, so horses can receive the same benefit as humans. Dr. Jane Manfredi indicates in Veterinary Practice News that top line and abdominal muscles are important for sustained musculoskeletal health, and these core muscle groups are important for postural stabilization of the horse, just like human core muscles are important for our human health. Baited stretches reaching for a treat can be used to develop core strength. Ventral or rounding stretches to the chest or lower legs can be used, and all of these activate different muscle groups. Non-baited stretches can be used for horses that are non-food motivated to stretch these muscles by tickling the skin of the belly and tailhead, rocking the horse back on the rear legs while holding up a front foot, and pulling the horse's tail to each side. All of these exercises increase range of motion and flexibility, and you can work up to holding the stretches for 30 seconds. To increase the flight arc of the legs, tactile stimulators can be placed at the coronary band for a short period. Physiotape or kinesiotape is used for neurological and muscular injuries, but results on most studies have shown this technique to be ineffective in most horses. Resistance bands can be used to increase muscular stability and core strength and can be placed on the horse while being ridden or lunged. Working the horse through cavaletti poles has been shown to increase range of motion of joints and activates different muscles than just regular exercise. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. How many dad is too many? Jessica Noble tells us that's being studied out in far west Texas. Brought to Texas in the 1950s to expand hunting opportunities, Audad are thriving in far west Texas. And now a multi-year, multi-partner research project is underway to determine how these exotic sheep from Africa are impacting our native mule deer and bighorn sheep populations. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Borderlands Research Institute at Sol Ross State University fit mule deer and Audad with GPS collars in the Quitman and Chinati Mountains so that the interactions of the species can be followed over the next few years. Sean Gray, TPWD Mule Deer and Pronghorn Program Leader, says one of the goals of the research project is to learn how many Audad is too many. There's habitat partitioning among them. But when you have thousands of Audad within mule deer range, then they're probably going to have some negative impacts. That's really what we're trying to quantify, where that needle is, where it's showing that extreme end of Audad numbers. And can we back that back some and have both species are not having habitat impacts or impacts on our native wildlife? 
Justin French, BRI Big Game Specialist, says next year the research will include some aerial gunning of ODAD to see how things change when there are fewer ODAD on the landscape. We're not really trying to eliminate ODAD. That's not really possible or even desirable for a lot of landowners. We're really just trying to establish how many are too many and how do we kind of keep that in check. The research gained through the project will be used to help TPWD, BRI, and landowners establish achievable goals to manage ODAD. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A big correction in the cattle futures market on Wednesday. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work from my desk on my way to work in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a big sell-off in the cattle futures market on Wednesday. A couple of factors contributing to that sell-off. One is technical factors. For those who watch the charts, also looks like some of the managed funds came in and topped off their long positions, taking profits out of the market. That pushed prices lower as well. June live cattle dropped a dollar ninety-seven to close at one seventy-seven forty-five. August down two ninety-five at one seventy ninety-seven, with October dropping two ninety one seventy-four twelve. Big drop on the feeder market. August feeder cattle down four fifty-five two thirty-five ninety. September feeders down four twenty-seven two thirty-five twelve. The October down four ten at two forty-one twenty. Cash-fed cattle market, mostly quiet for the week. We did see a few reports of a few hundred head that sold on Wednesday. Price was all over the place, 180 and a half to 192. But again, that was just on a few hundred steers, not enough for a market test for the week. Boxed beef prices mixed Wednesday. Choice was up 72 cents, 338.71. Select down $1.15, 308.33. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, our guest, Live Oak Livestock 3 River sales on Monday. Riley? Oh, continues to be good, Larry. Uh, market share steady all the way around. Uh, probably cows, uh, call them steady to $4 higher in spots. Uh, Packer cows uh, had steady money on them, the cows and bulls. and uh, So got along good. Still lots of demand out there. Ended up with 1100 uh, total today. Um, had some pairs brought from 1150 up to 1750. The bread cows from 1050 up to 1600. The high yield and packer cows 104 to 110. The breakers 98 to dollar six. And your canner 70 to 88. Packer bulls, uh, high yielding 116 to 122. The low to medium yielding bulls 102 to 116. The two to three weight choice tiers 274 up to three dollars. Their heifer mates 242 to 282. Three to four weight choice tiers 284 to 304. Heifer mates 234 to 272. Four to five weight choice steers, 256 to 294. Heifer mates, 228 to 260. Five to six weight choice steers, 232 to 268. Heifer mates, 216 to 240. The six to seven weight choice steers, 212 to 242. 
have from 8490 to 214 and <laughs> excuse me the seven to eight weight choice tiers 194 to 220 and they're here from 8176 to 196 so uh real pleased with it got along real well just the market continues to stay strong you know and uh um, we had some good quality calves today and that always helps as well good deal we'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale in three rivers rally uh cell phone is 361-813-6650 the office 361-786-2553 uh, webpage liveoaklivestock.com and also want to invite everybody out to next uh, monday is our uh, annual Trisco children's hospital benefit sale so uh, come out and eat lunch with us and uh, bring your checkbook for a good cause next week if you're around thank you riley and thank you neighbor for listening to walk in the pens texas farm bureau radio network i'm larry marble you're listening right now on texas ag today back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher on wednesday june hogs up seven cents 87.20 the july contract up to 17 92.77 class three milk dropped lower june milk down 13 cents at 14.96 a hundred weight july milk down 25 15.55 a hundred The cotton market closed lower on Wednesday. Traders seem to think that conditions are improving across the cotton belt. In fact, outside of West Texas, we've had nearly ideal weather conditions to get the cotton crop going throughout the rest of the cotton belt. July contract dropping 93 points to close at 81.79. The lightly traded October down 88.82.36, while December cotton was down 91 points at 80.11 cents. Corn market had a pullback after a nice run-up over the last couple of trading sessions. July corn down four and three quarters, six oh seven and three quarters. September corn down a penny at five forty-five. December down two, five forty-nine and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat finished lower in Wednesday's trade. July Kansas City wheat down six, seven eighty-five and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down six at six thirty and a quarter. In the energy markets, July natural gas was up a penny, two thirty-five. July West Texas crude down eighty-six cents, sixty-eight fifty-six a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down two hundred thirty points, thirty-three thousand nine eighty-one. The Nasdaq up twenty-four at thirteen thousand five ninety-eight. The S and P unchanged at four thousand three sixty-nine. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.